indeed in Christ alone we stand. The shorter catechism is a wonderful summary uh, of just basic truths that Holy Scripture teaches. The basics uh, of the Christian faith uh, are captured and summarized here. And again, I would encourage you uh, to look up these Scripture verses uh, this afternoon and during uh, the coming week. It would be a wonderful um, uh, tool that you could use uh, for family worship. Just pick one of these passages uh, to read um, each evening uh, after supper. Uh, you can, before you go about uh, the rest of uh, the joys of the day, uh, just pause as a family and just read uh, this uh, portion of, of Scripture. Well, uh, here we talk about now the benefits that believers receive from Christ at the resurrection. The last time we looked at this, we talked about the benefits that believers receive immediately upon death. Um, but God doesn't just love our souls. He loves our bodies as well. He loves the whole person. And uh, when the resurrection, when Jesus comes again, uh, there are wonderful things in store uh, for those who are trusting in Jesus in this life. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Wow. Uh, just think about Jesus owning us and saying, Father, that, that one belongs to me. Uh, welcome. Welcome home. And we will enjoy being in the bliss of God's presence for all eternity. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have, our great God. Well, uh, we want to turn together in God's holy word today. Um, we're going to look at the passage in Second Chronicles tonight in chapter 20. Um, we're going to be looking at what does revival and reformation look like. Uh, we pray for it. Uh, we say we need it. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking at a passage that describes uh, God's mighty work of bringing revival uh, to a needy people. And that's a very, very timely thing. But uh, the passage we're going to look at this morning, normally we've been doing Second Chronicles in the morning and First Thessalonians in the evening. Uh, but this week and next week, we'll 
uh, switch that, and then we'll go back to um, having Second Chronicles uh, in in the morning. But today, um, it's our joy to look together at First Thessalonians chapter five, verses one through eleven. And uh, please give careful attention now to the reading of God's very word. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Amen. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would come by your spirit and that you would open our eyes to behold your truth that you spoke close to 2,000 years ago through your apostle Paul in this portion of your holy, infallible, inerrant word, the Bible. We ask, Lord, that not only would we see and understand what you are saying, but you would write upon our hearts that we would love you, Lord Jesus, trust in you, and follow you. Capture us anew, Lord Jesus, with your grace and mercy and love. In Jesus we pray, amen. There are a lot of ways you can go astray. This wonderful teaching of the second coming of our Lord Jesus, there are two basic wrong approaches that are prevalent in our day. One is that there is outright scoffing 
that history uh, will ever come to an end by the Son of God bodily, physically coming from heaven to stand upon this earth again and usher in the great day of judgment and in history. They are scoffing at that. And the Lord warned us that that is exactly what would happen. That during this period of time between Jesus bodily, physically ascending up into heaven, and this same Jesus bodily, physically coming back to this earth, between this period of time, the Lord announced in passages like Second Peter chapter 3, that there would be scoffers who would say, oh, uh, this uh, uh, news, this uh, message that Jesus will come again, uh, it's just a bunch of bunk. But then there's another wrongful approach. And that is for people to become fixated on that glorious truth, but misapply it and get all wrapped up. Uh, One of the joys that I had uh, this past week was to go fishing with some grandchildren. And after we had finished fishing, I was breaking all of the fishing gear down, and there was a particular rod that I had taken with me that was very long so that I could cast way out into the lake. And as I was breaking it down, I took the hook uh, off the end, and I, I came inside, and someone opened the door while I was working on this, and so I raised the rod up. And I didn't intend for this to happen, but the line that was still attached um, got caught up by the ceiling fan. And before I knew what was happening, that ceiling fan was just doing laps with my fishing line. And I had an incredible mess. Had to get a ladder and try to get everything unwound. Well, there are a lot of people in our day and time who sadly uh, have taken this truth of the second coming of Jesus and they have missed the whole point. And it's like their fishing line of their mind has gotten caught up in this and all of a sudden all they can see is I've figured out when it's going to happen. And this is a tragedy because that's not what God wants us to be doing with this truth. I want you to look at this passage with me in verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons... Brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. How do thieves come? 
Well, they generally uh, write a little letter and send it to the homeowner and say, Dear homeowner, and they put your address, might even have your name, I just want you to know that tomorrow night around 2.35 a.m., I'm going to come and visit you. I'm going to break into your home and steal all of your goodies. No, of course not. That's not how thieves operate. They come when you least expect them. They come unannounced. And so this is introduced in our passage of the Apostle Paul saying, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Apostle Paul says, You've already been told that that's not what you're to do with this truth. Try to figure out when it's going to happen. Why is that? How were they fully aware? Well, it's because the Lord had announced it previously. For example, Acts chapter 1. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. After Jesus had been raised from the dead for a short period of time, 40 days, he appeared to various of the disciples. And as he would come and, and meet with God's people uh, during that period of time, notice verse uh, um, 1 of chapter 1 of, of Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And of course, that great event is recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, when the risen, exalted, ascended, seated Lord of glory pours forth His Spirit upon the church to empower the church to carry out the mission uh, that God had given to us. In verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus, is, is now the time when you're going to cause uh, the people of Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham, to repent and turn back to the Christ. And notice what Jesus said to them in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons. The exact same words. 
He said it's not for you to know God's timetable. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, Jesus says to these disciples, it's none of your business when. God is going to do these amazing works. But it is your business to be doing what the Father and I have commissioned you to do. You've got work to do. So let's get with it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. The Apostle Paul says, you've already been told. It's not for you to figure out when. He had already told them that. Here in Matthew chapter 24, uh, we have two judgments that are referred to. In Matthew chapter 24, the first of those judgments was Jesus coming in history by his Spirit to clean house in Jerusalem. And he did that in 70 AD when he stirred in the hearts of the pagan Roman emperors and their army and came and besieged Jerusalem and destroyed it. And Jesus gave signs. He said, when you see this happening and when you see this, then you know that I am at work and you need to take action. It's time for you to get out of Jerusalem. When you see the armies that cause desolation surrounding the city of Jerusalem, then Flee from Jerusalem and don't even wait to go down and pack your suitcase. Now, how long does it take to pack a suitcase? Well, it just all depends on how you pack. Most of you guys, you can pack in a minute. But there are others who generally take longer pack. And Jesus said, don't even go to, if you're on your rooftop and you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, don't even wait to go down and pack your suitcase. Just flee to the hills. Um, so he gave signs. But notice in verse 36, Jesus then shifts and talks about another judgment. He says, of that day I'm giving you signs, I'm giving you instruction. But of this other judgment that I'm talking about, there are not going to be any signs. Look at verse 36. But concerning that day, the day when Jesus comes bodily, physically, from heaven, but of that day and hour, no one knows, 
Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Uh, the Lord Jesus had humbled himself, and in his humiliation, he said, I have not taken advantage of the fact that I'm God in the flesh. And I, at that point, he said, don't even know uh, the day. The angels don't know the day. No one knows the day. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, you hear people a lot of times in our day and time say as they look at this culture, yep, it's just like the days of Noah. But is that what Jesus is referring to here? Well, I want you to look. The point that he's making is the people in Noah's day were oblivious to the truth. Noah had preached for over a hundred years telling them judgment is coming. They scoffed. And it was business as usual until the very day that God closed the door and the flood started. It wasn't until the flood actually came that the people took to heart the truth. And Jesus says that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes. There are not going to be any signs. There's going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the very end. That's the point. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now the rest of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 is hammering the same truth. And it also teaches the take-home message of our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul begins in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 saying, There's no need for me to write to you about the times and the seasons because you've already been taught that Jesus is going to come like a thief. In other words, there's not going to be all of these signs that people are going to rightly and accurately be going, Oh, I've figured it out. It's right before Jesus is going to come and end history. It is a mania that has grabbed hold of people. That's not why Jesus has revealed to us this truth. But there is a take-home message that God always gives to us 
in Holy Scripture about the day when Jesus will come again in glory, bodily, physically from heaven. And that take-home message is, you don't know when it's going to be, so you better be ready. By doing the will of King Jesus day in and day out. Because he's going to come someday. He's going to come. And you better be ready. Now, let's just look at a few verses here in Matthew 24. Look um, in verse 39. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Uh, what are people doing in the field? Well, they're planting their garden. They're hoeing. Uh, they, they didn't think it was the day of judgment, the day of reckoning. There, there are two women at the mill. They're grinding wheat. They weren't thinking, oh, I know today is the day. Keep reading. Verse 43, But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let him, uh, his house be broken into. And therefore you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Lord has given us instruction. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master will set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant when his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so the, the take-home message that Jesus gives, and you can read all of chapter 25, it's the same thing. Jesus announces, I'm going to come, and you better be ready. And here's how you're ready. Be repenting of your sins and believing and following Jesus day in and day out as long as it is today. Because the day is going to come when today will be over. And how is today over? Well, if time goes on, you and I are going to die. And we, that will be the day that we stand before the Lord. Our souls will stand before God, and if we have trusted in Jesus in this life, He will welcome us into His glorious heaven. And our bodies await the great day of resurrection when Jesus will come and utter His voice and raise the dead. 
and body and soul will be reunited and body and soul will either enjoy the bliss of heaven or the horrors of hell for all eternity. But the day of the Lord will come when Jesus will bodily, physically come and there will be some people who have not died when Jesus comes back to this earth. Either way, we're going to stand before the Lord and we need to be ready. And so that's what the Apostle Paul now drives home. Let's look at one other passage in 2 Peter chapter 3. We made reference to it earlier before we go back to our text. I want you to see, and I challenge you, everywhere the coming of the Lord Jesus is referred to in the Bible, it always includes this message. You better be ready for that day. And you don't know when it's going to be. So be trusting and obeying Jesus today. Because it may be your last day. It, it may be your last day. When people get in a car to go on a journey, they never think, you know, I'm probably not going to make it to my destination. But sometimes that's what happens. Oh, we want to be found doing the king's business when he comes for us. We want to be found honoring him in what we're thinking and what we're saying, how we're treating one another in our homes, in our church family, in the workplace, how we're living. Are we doing the king's business? Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. We read in verse 8, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like what? A thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That word exposed, uh, it's the picture of purified. The Lord's going to send His cleansing, blazing fire and purge the universe of all of the effects of sin. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? Now, is the take-home message, so you better figure out the times and the seasons. Nope. You to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening in the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish, and at peace. 
And he goes on talking. So do you see how the Bible applies this truth? There are some people who scoff and we know, oh, we reject that. But don't get caught up in this madness like my fishing line got caught up. And oh, what a mess it was. What a knot. And people get their lives all tangled up in a knot when they think they've figured out where we are in God's timetable. God says, no, that's not what you ought to be doing. You just need to be doing the king's business every day of your life. In the morning, you get up and you say, Lord, thank you for this brand new day to serve you. And through the day, you seek to walk with Jesus and at night, when you put your head on the pillow, you say, Lord Jesus, you're my Savior and my King. And I ask that you would forgive me for the things that have not been right with you this day. I want to be yours, and I want to honor you and please you. And so turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. There are scoffers who are going to scoff right up until the day when Jesus comes, and they will be destroyed. If you wait until that day, it's too late. If you wait to get in the courtroom, standing before the judge to try to get your defense attorney lined up, too late on that great day of judgment. But Jesus offers to represent us today. He, he says, Today, if you will hear his voice, run to him and confess your sin to him, and he will forgive you and receive you into his own family, adopting you, justifying you, declaring you right, sanctifying us by his Spirit. And so verse 4, he says, but you are not in darkness, brothers. He's talking now to God's little children. He's talking to us. For that day to surprise you like a thief, why will we not be surprised? Because every day that we live, we're going to be doing what? Serving Jesus. Loving Jesus. Seeking to obey Jesus. For you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light. Everyone who belongs to Jesus, Jesus has made us his children. We're children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep. Jesus says we need, we need to be his kind of woke. You know, it's fascinating to me how Satan... And, and, and the world take biblical truths and pervert them. The rainbow, it doesn't belong to the world. 
It doesn't belong to the perverts. God made the rainbow, and it is beautiful. It surrounds his throne in Revelation chapter 4. When we get to heaven, we'll see God's rainbow, and it doesn't stand for sexual perversion. It stands for the faithfulness of Almighty God to be faithful to his promises. That's sweet. Well, to be woke, God says we need to be people who are awake. We need to be woke. God's kind of woke. Instead of being people who have embraced a form of Marxism where we're going to uh, embrace the revolution and seek to right the ills of society through the lies of Satan by embracing socialism and overturning a biblical view of right and wrong, and the only way atonement can be actually given to people to believe in Jesus Christ. God's kind of being awake is to follow Jesus, to love Him, to serve Him, to walk in Him and with Him. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. I love this term, sober. It's, it's, it's a term that basically says that we are people who have God's harness on us. That we have God's halter on us. Uh, we're, we're not just free thinkers or free livers, just doing our own thing. But we are being controlled by the love of Jesus. Jesus has captured us. And his, his mighty love is what harnesses us and causes us to want to think and do and be what pleases Him. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Uh, what a contrast. Here, here's the way the world lives. They, they, they want to do uh, what is evil in God's sight. But that's not the way we live. Verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. There's our word again. We, we've got, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For the love of Christ controls us. There's something that has captured us and delivered us from a life of, of rebellion and folly. You remember our call to worship this morning in Proverbs 9? Uh, before we became Christians, we thought the woman folly sounded good. But now we listen to God's wisdom. We love Jesus and we want to follow Him. We want to honor Him. We want to please Him. Uh, in our own hearts, the way we think and live. We've put on the breastplate of faith. We've embraced Jesus and love. We love God. We love His paths. We love all that He says is true and good and right. We love being in His presence. We love gathering with God's people to sing His praise and to hear His Word 
his sweet gospel, even through pitiful vessels of clay. We want to know more of Jesus. And we have the helmet of hope, the hope of salvation. Here's this picture of doing battle with the realm of darkness. And Jesus has given us His armor. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. God has called us to be His mighty army, waging a spiritual battle, standing in the name of Jesus in our own hearts, lifting His banner in our homes, saying, we want to honor Jesus as husband and wife and parents and children and brothers and sister. In our church family, we want to honor Jesus. We want to be His kind of church. And historically, God has given us a definition of what it means to be a man or a woman. God tells us who we are. It's who He made us to be. And there are two genders. And Jesus refers to that in Matthew chapter 19, quoting from Genesis chapter 1. From the beginning, God created them male and female. And God defines marriage between a man, a male, a husband, and a wife, a female, a woman. God tells us these things. And as children of light, that is how we think and live. We understand that we are fallen in Adam, the first man. Our parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God. And in the fullness of time, God gave His Son to be the Redeemer. And Jesus comes to redeem us as individuals and make us right again. And He is the one who alone can enable us to live together in families so that we have His blessing and smile and joy as we serve Him together. And a church family, God calls us to be a people who live according to Holy Scripture as a church. Historically, uh, the church said that there were three marks that marked out a true biblical church. The faithful apostolic preaching of the gospel. In other words, if there's a group of people that calls themselves a church and the focal point of their life together and their worship is not the Word of God Almighty, the Bible, and the gospel revealed from Genesis to Revelation, they may call themselves a church, but they really aren't. The second mark is the faithful administration of of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And that's according to what Scripture says these things are. Uh, Jesus has given us. And then the third mark historically was loving biblical church discipline. If a church doesn't 
nurture and care for and go after sheep that are straying, calling them back to the Good Shepherd. They may call themselves a church, but if they don't do what Jesus says a church ought to be doing, they're lying. And then there are three ministries of the biblical church. There's the ministry upward, where we gather to worship. And the focal point of a worship service is who? It is God. That we are to glory in who God is. That's what a worship service is. We're ministering. We're serving God Almighty. Sadly, in our day and time, so many so-called churches, the focal point of worship services is what? It's man. It's all man-centered. It's entertainment-driven. But God says, no, a worship service, it's described for us all through the pages of Holy Scripture. It is us gathering together to meet the living God. And to tell Him how great He is, and how good He is, and how much we love Him. And then there's the ministry inward of God's people. Of God's people loving one another, and admonishing one another, and encouraging one another, and bearing one another's burdens, and practicing hospitality one to another, and forgiving one another, and loving one another, and loving one another. And loving one another. Living out the gospel in our life together. And then there's the ministry outward. Of being salt and light. Of equipping God's people to know how to live under the banner of Jesus as individuals and families and the church. And in civil government. And in business. In every nook and cranny of life, God has given us His marching orders in Holy Scripture. That's what God says we're to be about doing. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God uh, calls us to be a people who are learning to follow Lady Wisdom, not Lady Folly. God says He has destined us not for wrath, but for salvation. And salvation is found in only one place. It is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the conservatives in our country, the liberals in our country, they're looking to the wrong Savior. They're looking to civil government to save them. Socialism, statism, it can't save. Look at the history of socialism. Every nation who has ever tried it, what has happened to them? Destruction, death. And so it will be in this day. If we keep going down this path, there's salvation found in only one place. But you know, the conservatives, so-called, in our day and time, they also need to take this to heart. 
The liberals are dead wrong, but the conservatives are dead wrong too because they think that they can have the blessings of a biblical world order without the fountain of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that also is a lie. You can't have all of the blessings of God without the fountain of those blessings. And the only fountain of blessing in life is the redeeming person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You want to have life? You must have Jesus. You can't reject Jesus and then go and pick and choose all of the good things that He has to offer and end up with anything but a mess, a perverted mess. Our Supreme Court needs to take that to heart. Our candidates need to take that to heart. Our political parties need to take that to heart. We are a people who are children of light. And we understand and acknowledge that there is salvation only through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. A Christian is somebody who loves Jesus, and we love to follow Him. And so what do we do with all of this? Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another. You remember our word, encourage? It is the Greek word parakaleo. We're to encourage one another. Paraclete. And all three persons of the Godhead have that as one of their titles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we read in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort encouragement. Same Greek word. The Father. And then God the Son. In Luke chapter 2, old Simeon was looking for the paraclete of Israel. The one who alone can comfort. Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the comforter. And that's how we encourage one another. We come and we speak the Word of God and we encourage one another to keep clinging to Jesus and loving Him and following Him and serving Him and standing for Him. Over in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and chapter 16, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as little orphans. I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. When I go away, I and the Father are going to send the other helper, the other comforter. Same Greek word. And when He comes, He will be with you. I will be with you. God says we're to comfort, we're to encourage one another with these precious truths. And we're to build one another up. We're to seek to encourage and build up each other with these truths, just as you are doing. Now, Satan would try to discourage you from just these 
ordinary, everyday truths and acts of faith. Uh, you might be tempted to think, well, I, I want something spectacular. Well, if you love Jesus, trust me, on the basis of the Word of God, we will experience spectacular things. But right now, we live how? By faith. We live by faith. We live by faith looking to Jesus. And so you young people and children, what does God call you to do? He calls you to trust in Jesus and serve Him as a son, as a daughter. To just seek to be faithful to Jesus in your home. To honor your mama and daddy. That's what Jesus, that's the work He's given you to do today. And He's teaching you all kinds of incredible things. And whether you realize it or not, you are packing your suitcase and your toolbox for the rest of your life that you will need and utilize. And a lot of those tools, you don't even, you don't even realize you're learning them now. But take good advantage of a mama and a daddy who love you and love Jesus, and they're showing you and telling you good things and teaching you the good paths. Take advantage of that while you have opportunity. That's what Jesus is calling you to do. You seek the Lord's face as far as what calling He has for you. And in His own good time, He's going to open it up to you, whether He's called you to be an engineer or a ditch digger or to invent new things. You know, I always, every time I use a vacuum cleaner, I think, you know, that's a pretty neat invention. Now, I don't know who invented the vacuum cleaner. But there are new things that need to be invented, and maybe God's calling some of you young people to be an inventor. There's all kinds of exciting things that God has in His world. And He has a calling for you. It may be to serve others who are doing various things, or it may be uh, to be uh, in a particular uh, uh, calling as, as a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or a carpenter or an engineer or a truck driver, or a manager. There's just all kinds of things. A homemaker. There are all kinds of exciting things. God says, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. Everyday life. Earlier in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, we read, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your own hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 
just everyday life live for Jesus. Jesus is going to come. Are you ready? The way you're ready is to love Jesus and trust and obey Him today. In your own heart, in your home, in the church, in your callings, in civil government, in everything you do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, write these things upon our hearts. Lord, don't let us get all wrapped up uh, in, in trying to figure out the times and the seasons when you've told us not to do that. Oh, Lord, but to take to heart what you want us to do with this truth, and that is to look forward to standing before you by serving you today. Give us grace to do that, Lord Jesus. Capture our hearts. Lord, bless the children and young people. Bless the, the, the couples. Bless us who are older. Uh, Lord, to follow you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy to be praised and loved. Bless now as we come to your table. In Jesus we pray. Amen.